We've almost had the four added minutes. Adeyemi releasing this one. Schlotterbeck. Over it comes and Modest is there for Dortmund! Ay, ay, ay! who missed an excellent chance earlier comes up with the all-important equaliser at stoppage time well just watch the work of Schlotterbeck here when the ball gets played into the box he chases it, he chases it, he keeps it in he keeps his composure and then just picks out the perfect cross and Modesk having missed one big chance he can't miss this one it's a good finish took up a good position but Schlotterbeck has to take the credit and what a comeback by Borussia Dortmund agony for Oliver Kahn looking on from the Tribune of Honor ecstasy for Edin Terzic and all the Borussia Dortmund fans Hello and welcome to episode 431 of the Yellow Pod I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's dramatic comeback against Bayern and we will preview tomorrow's Champions League game against FC Sevilla. For all that and more joins me Lars Polman. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, I appreciate the pause while you are thinking about whom to introduce first. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, that, that was really much of a pause but uh, you know, uh, since I know you do online racing or, or uh, racing games, I, I know that uh, you live between the split seconds so uh, uh i'll allow it uh, also here is constantine now hello constantine how are you doing yes i'm also here <laughs> yeah uh what is it's, going on it is very great to have you both here because uh it was a great game especially a great ending and uh you know i would argue that Borussia Dortmund did win to all but uh, of course uh, we need to start from the beginning and, uh, you know, maybe even with the lineup because uh, we had uh, Niklas Sule play as a right back because Thomas Meunier uh, could not make the game due to a private matter. And uh, then you had Schlotterbeck and Hummels form the center back. And uh, yeah, I don't think there was a lot of surprise that Eden Terzic went with uh, three players in midfield with uh, Bellingham, Jan and Oshan. And then, of course, Malen, Mukoku and uh, Brandt, the front trio, if you will. Now, um, obviously, we all know that Julian Nagelsmann after the game said that uh, Borussia Dortmund were the better team in the first half and uh, it was not the most eventful first half. However, um, Konstantin, why is that uh, Borussia Dortmund was relatively good in this first half and uh, only conceded from uh, the one and only shot as far as I recall that Bayern had until that moment? Well, of course, Bayern were pretty bad. Uh, I mean, as 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 per usual, I almost <laughs> wanted to say, um, yeah, that kind of the narrow uh, narrow formation approach by Nagelsmann hasn't been fully working out, um, especially recently. I, f I think there have been some issues on Bayern's end, and uh, you could see it again. I mean, once they started to play a little bit more um with stretch passes and you know longer passes i think i think it worked better for them but uh, this 
you know, short, 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 short. Um, doesn't really work that well in in, in spades at least. And uh, Dortmund defended quite well. I mean, it was kind of a defensive approach. I was ex uh, even with Mounier possibly in the squad. I was ex actually expecting uh, Süle playing right back. Um, because, I mean, you don't have to try to combat uh, Alfonso Davies' speed. Um, just uh, keep it tight there and have, have someone who can play a defensive one-on-one, -on -one, which Stude did quite well, I think, in the first half, um, or first 35 minutes or so against Sadio Mane. And uh, Nabri was quite well isolated, um, you know, squ squeezed in, <laughs> in between the centre-backs and Dortmund centre-backs, and uh, so there wasn't much to go. But it went, I mean, Dortmund were pro probably a better team for, in the first 30 minutes, but no shots produced on either side. So it's not like a big win for Dortmund. It was more like uh, they, they were able to neutralize the game. Um, weren't really productive uh, moving down the field, but at least um, kept Bayern at bay for the time being until... Until Dortmund actually generated the first shot in the in the 30th minute, and then um, yeah, 30, 33rd minute. Well, they had go, they had went. I mean, it was like uh, any other uh, Dortmund Bayern encounter for the I don't know how many years. Um, and in that case, it was kind of a, like a 40% goalkeeper error. I don't know, maybe 50% error by by Alexander Meyer, who hopefully will. Uh, not see the field so soon again. Um, he's, like, he's a little bit overwhelmed by all of this. And there might be a reason he has only played uh, for Jan Ringsburg and Enrique Cottbus in recent times. Um, so, yeah. I mean, overall, I, I don't think Dortmund were like the incredibly better team or something like that. They were obviously better or something like that. It was just that in a, in a slow-paced, kind of hesitant game, uh, Dortmund had a bit more ball control, uh, kept Bayern at bay, uh, kept uh, kept their own defensive zones tight, so that worked well. At least, uh, the like, let's say, the first first match plan or the match plan for the first 30 or 45 minutes by Aiden Terzic worked somewhat well. Well, I'll be honest, I'll take it. Um, I think uh, yeah. you cannot expect from this Dortmund team to you know play absolutely world-class especially not in this constellation uh, and also considering all the players that were once again unavailable. So Lars, pretty similar question to you. What are you making of this first half? And maybe we can uh, add the uh, flavor of uh, bookings in there because I think Marcel Sabitzer was booked after two minutes then Matthias De Ligt was booked after 11 minutes and then uh, after 14 minutes Jude Bellingham received a booking for what I didn't really think was a foul on Musiala but since he bundled over in a spectacular fashion Aitken did uh, book him as well and obviously that uh, you know as we all know became a talking point later on um but uh, yeah what what do you make of all that um I'm kind of not surprised uh at Dortmund's showing up in this game. I mean, when we look back at the, the tenure of uh, Terzic, which is basically almost uh, one and a half years or whatever it is, uh, after he took over from uh, Favre in 2020, uh, <clears throat> um, they've basically always showed up in big games. They've uh, not always won, obviously, but uh, remembering, for example, the Champions League exit against uh, Man City, during his caretaker uh, spell, uh, remembering now the Man City game this season, a couple of other games, obviously they won the cup under Terzic. It seems to me that uh, for the big occasions, they, they get up 
they are on the ball, as it were, and they seem to struggle more in these kind of fixtures where uh, maybe the the outside impetus isn't there and maybe there's more of an internal motivation needed. Um, obviously, that's a bit of kitchen psychology, but still... Um, kind of didn't think necessarily that they were going to get pumped by Bayern, which is what a lot of people were fearing um, after Bayern won 4-0 against Leverkusen and then 5-0 or whatever uh, against Pilsen. Um, given also that it was at Dortmund, these games tend to be close at Dortmund and the games in Munich uh, are a bit of a different story over the last few years. Um, yeah, not surprised. Let's let's just say that. And for the bookings, uh, Zabitza obvious, uh, Delicht obvious, uh, Goretzka would have been obvious, but uh, I think uh, Aitikin smartly decided um, that he can't get uh, go on dishing out bookings for everything, even if warranted, because uh, this kind of fixture you don't want to end up with. Uh, 10 against 9 or whatever, which I guess by letter of the law would have been possible in this game. Um, the first for Bellingham, I guess you can call it a foul just because of the intensity and certainly Aitikin wanted to make a decision in favor of Bayern just to get a bit more uh, or, or get the players off his back a little bit after the first few minutes. Um, the booking, obviously not necessarily... Uh, the correct decision in my book, but uh, you could argue it saved Dortmund's game, basically, because if the first uh, booking for uh, Bellingham hadn't been too harsh, the second one would most likely have been uh, sending off. But uh, Aitzikin basically admitted to the first one being like a, uh, a possible uh, ammunition, I, I, or, uh, whatever he said. And I have the quote here, I can read it if you want. Please. He said, I can understand anyone who sees it differently. That's football, but you also have to look at the football match as a whole. The first yellow card for Bellingham was in a hectic phase. He received a discretionary yellow, not a stall one one. And uh, in that situation, for me, it was Davis coming from behind with his head down. I didn't have the final conviction to give a second yellow card and ultimately decide a game like that. That's what he said about the Bellingham situation. Yeah, and I, I think that makes total sense. From a refereeing perspective, um, as I said, the first booking certainly helped Bellingham in a, a roundabout way. And also, I think the timing, um, the same situation in the 85th minute, uh, I don't think there's much debate that that would have been a second booking. But uh, Aitiki not wanting to uh, decide the game, not wanting to be center of attention. Obviously, he still was by way of not deciding <laughs> in favor of Bayern. But I think... Uh, for the better of the game and that's something that not only Dortmund fans but also neutrals if that's even something that exists in football will will probably agree on it was the, the better call and I certainly didn't think um, there was any malicious intent in there uh, I think Davis lowered his head just enough to uh, say that Bellingham wasn't like 100% at fault for the collision so I, I'm also pretty sure that if it had been the other way around, we'd be talking much differently. But I guess, <laughs> as Aitikin said, that's football. Yeah, no, I know. If the shoe were on the other foot, let's say it was Kimmich who got the maybe somewhat soft yellow card for the same foul and then uh, would have, uh, you know, 
hit a Dortmund player in the head that he would be sent to the hospital. I would be livid. I know that. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm well aware, but nevertheless, I still think um it is nice for it to be the other way for for once, <laughs> really, because uh, how many times have uh, Bayern Munich been, uh, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, if you will, and how many times have I been sitting here uh, livid about the refereeing calls? So um, yeah, this is a nice change, and uh, it is especially nice because uh, you then see all the vitriol and hate coming from the other side and uh, you're basically just sitting there sipping your tea. So, uh, Lars, I don't know if you're um, <laughs> similar to me, but did you take joy or pleasure or anything of these sorts uh, in uh, the way Bayern officials and fans reacted to Aitakin's decision? And, uh, you know, I think we even had a, a, a live tweet from Oliver Kahn on uh, uh, Aitakin's uh, doppelpass appearance. Yeah, I mean, the the Khan stuff and some of uh, what Nagelsmann said. I mean, Nagelsmann said it was a straight red, which, I mean, that's just incorrect and, and false information that shouldn't be put out there. Um, I mean, in the heat of the moment or immediately after the game with adrenaline still running, running high, I can accept that the, the Khan stuff on Sunday... Uh, 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 midday on Sunday, game uh, day after the game, I think it, it would behoove a CEO of a massive club like Bayern not to live tweet uh, a talk show appearance. It sort of strikes me as Trumpian behavior, if, uh, if, it, <laughs> if that makes sense. But I also want to say that uh, Nagelsmann did, for example, say that the result was warranted for Dortmund. Uh, I think uh, Goretzka, uh, Manuel Neuer, um, I've, I've seen a lot uh, worse behavior after what for Bayern has been a pretty crushing uh, end to the game, let's say. <laughs> just, uh, just avoided the word defeat. <laughs> no, I was looking for another way to put it. I wasn't going to say defeat because I don't yeah, believe I in moral vict victories, unlike uh, you, I guess. Um, but I, 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 I've seen a lot worse uh, players behave a lot worse, so I was kind of alright with... I mean, as I said, if or as, as you agreed also, the other way around, we are still talking about it differently. So I can accept that uh, there's a different viewpoint. And uh, I was kind of uh, almost positively surprised that not too many of those whom we should listen to, because I don't care about uh, Bayern fans on Twitter or whatever, um, but those we might want to have, uh, want, might want to listen to, they reacted reasonably i would say and and i don't know necessarily that we can say the same for dortmund over the last few years but obviously as you put it stefan uh this was for a lot of bayern players uh, probably one of the first times in recent memory where refereeing decisions went against them in this fixture anyway and for dortmund there's a lot of built-up frustration over the last few years yeah, uh, Constantine, you think it was uh, the lack of Thomas Müller lobbying in the referee's ears uh, that was the detriment to Bayern because he was obviously out for this game? I'm not sure. That's, that's <laughs> the reason. Uh, I just think, I mean, when we're talking about the Bellingham situation, I mean, I, 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 the funny thing is, like, Aitahin afterwards, as, as you um, already explained, Stefan, and, and you uh, discussed it, Lars, um, I mean, he said that it wasn't, you know, an automatic yellow card or something. He didn't even give a free kick. <laughs> so, 
So because when I I rewatched uh, that that scene, I mean in in real time, sometimes <laughs> you know everything everything looks brutal, basically, you know, especially on like high high level football. Um, I don't think Bellingham had any idea that, uh, or had, had maybe he had an idea that Davies was coming, but um, I think it was also somewhat Davies' fault. I mean, to to use his head there, you know. I mean, if you if you go, you know, chest out and try to just I don't know, touch the ball and and get it away there because it was like kind of a free ball, but it was also not a free ball because it was still uh, there with. Um, with Bellingham having it I and mean, doing his whatever he did there, actually. Um, so, I mean, it, it's it, it's sad that it ended with uh, Davies leaving the uh, the game and uh, being transported to the hospital. I mean, that's that's something, you know, we can joke about it uh, a little bit. Not really, because uh, that's not fun. Um, I mean, if it had, hadn't ended that uh, badly, I would... Uh, I would have made probably a joke there, um, but yeah, um, he didn't give, give a free kick, so I guess in the situation, um, the referee wasn't even convinced that it was really a foul. Um, funny, funnily enough, I think before the second Dortmund chance, it might have been, there was also a, a, a situation between Bellingham and Davies, where, where Bellingham was overpowering Davies, and, and the Canadian was going down, and Bellingham was, was uh, getting the ball and assisting the shot. So um, yeah, and and a few minutes later that happened. So whatever. I mean, um, I, I don't I don't think it was a yellow card against Bellingham. So that's that's okay. Um, the Komong yellow card in the, uh, in the end, there were a lot of Bayern fans and officials were arguing. Uh, Oliver Kahn was arguing uh, that you know where was the compassion there so, um, with, with with command. Um, I mean, I get it, right? <laughs> but it was a tactical foul, so it was a yellow card, and he he was. Yeah, outpaced or uh, outmaneuvered in that situation. Tactical fouls, so get the booking. Wasn't brutal foul, was just a tactical one. And um, so he will be out for the next game, but wasn't more than that. Of course, I mean, then, then Bayern might be annoyed in a, in a sense with the, with the decisions. On the other hand, I mean, if you look at the game as a whole, and I think we'll continue now discussing yeah. the game as a whole, look at, look at the entire, like, like, plot of this game right um Dortmund started quite well looked like they were on eye level with Bayern and Bayern score uh somewhat unnecessary unnecessary goal right I mean the, the goalkeeper wasn't really positioned well and all right there you go Bayern are leading they, they get out of the locker rooms second half they look much much better play their long ball style Musiala is dominating his space Emre Can had already in the books I can't really commit to uh, to tacklings anymore, which sometimes even helps Emre Can, by the way, because <laughs> then he can't then he can't be like the yeah he doesn't you know, oversell on every play basically yeah right that that he can't uh, go go all out on every play. I mean, I sometimes think he should start with a booking, just you know, just <laughs> you know, before the game starts, you're already in the books, right? <laughs> um, no, but I mean, then then he was kind of uh, in in a weird spot because he likes to be so aggressive. Sali Achan, not his position, by the way, not his position, and you saw it uh, wrong angle against Musiala uh, in the lead up to the second goal uh, but then there you go right uh, uh, Musiala outmaneuvers or, or like and uh, uses the space uh, Charles Yachan gives him uh, Süle wrong defensive angle against um Sané. Against uh, uh, Leroy Sané right and, and then Sané scores that goal which Alexander Meyer of course could have saved 
or another goalkeeper, Jan Sommer against Bayern Munich would have saved that shot, of course. I mean, obviously, uh, because it's Jan Sommer against Bayern then, but still. Um, so Bayern scored two goals with twice the goalkeeper not looking really good there and and some you know some situations not working out for Dortmund was the plot for a typical Bayern win at Dortmund right and even like even when Dortmund uh, uh, scored the one uh, the two one even then I mean it felt like Bayern will win this uh, win this game and uh, you know 80,000 Dortmund fans will leave the stadium kind of in in a lethargic state and they are like oh, all right once again we are not good enough but then again, Anthony Modest, my God, you know, who's the best? Anthony Modest. <laughs> um, yeah, Lars, let's uh, talk about the second half because uh, I think we need to talk about all the changes that happened. Uh, Mats Hummels for Dortmund had to come off because uh, he just wasn't fit enough uh, to, you know, see out this game. So Marius Wolf came on and with that, uh, Zule and Schlotterbeck were once again the centre-backs. And um, I think... If I'm not mistaken, Nagelsmann had even uh, three changes uh, at halftime. He brought on Kimmich and uh, Command probably because they just couldn't play any sooner. And uh, he also brought on uh, Stanisic for Alfonso Davis. And um, obviously, I think Kimmich really changed the game uh, in a positive way for Bayern. I think uh, their forward momentum changed, but uh, at the same time, Stanisic obviously. Um, <laughs> one of the uh, key players later in the game. Um, so, yeah, talk, talk me through the second half a little bit uh, and uh, how the game, in your view, changed uh, with the changes, uh, be it uh, Modest for Ershan or uh, uh, Adiemi for, for Malen or the other way around, I think it was. Uh, kind of a broad question. Um, it is, yeah. <laughs> I mean... I think I don't remember when Bayern were last this poor in possession as they were in the f in, in in Dortmund fixtures uh, because I can't bring myself to watch many Bayern games outside of that. Uh, but I can't really remember when they were last so poor uh, in possession as they were in the first half. And obviously that wasn't going to be the case for 90 minutes because we are still talking about Bayern in in a game they take quite seriously. So uh, Bayern's changes. I think Konstantin basically talked about them as already. Uh, they were much uh, more on the ball uh, in figurative terms. Um, Kimmich helped uh, not having Napri, who's completely out of form from what I can tell, also helped. Um, and, and I think uh, Dortmund were suffering a bit from uh, maybe investing a lot in the first half defensively or also maybe... Uh, from a mental side of being down without allowing a single scoring opportunity, uh, which is kind of demoralizing, in, especially when playing against a team where of of which you know <laughs> if you're going to give them scoring opportunities, they might put four, five, six past you in a hurry. Um, and I guess the the second goal, I don't quite remember when when that came, but certainly. There wasn't necessarily a feeling uh, in the Polman household of uh, <laughs> of a comeback. Fifty third minute is when it happened. Yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, most of us would probably have thought, "Oh no, the floodgates have opened and here yeah, release the kraken or whatever." Uh, 
Yeah, I actually thought at halftime as Hummels came off and uh, Zule and Schlotterbeck as a centre-back pairing haven't covered themselves in glory, let's say, uh, often in, in recent games. So that's where, where I already thought it was going to be like a 4 nothing. Yeah, um, but then I think Bayern suffered from not having Lewandowski or, uh, I don't know, Mane not being the most clinical player at this point in time or whatever it is, but they certainly didn't... Um, you know, play out their attacks well enough. Uh, they didn't have too many great scoring opportunities. They had a couple of decent chances to make it 3-0, which would definitely have killed the game. But to his credit, Alex Meyer did pretty well against uh, a couple of those. I think he had a save against Musiala, for example, if, if memory yeah. serves. According to Anderset, actually the uh, the highest uh, valued missed chance because Anderset says it's 0 0.58 the Muziala chance versus uh, Modest's uh, 82nd minute 0 0.51. I didn't see it that way, but okay. Yeah, uh, who's to say? And and that kind of uh, kept Dortmund in the game, I suppose. And then I think the the more important change uh, for Dortmund, despite Modest uh, obviously scoring at the end and and uh, assisting Mukoko, but from a playing style perspective, uh, was actually bringing or uh, being able to bring on Adeyemi whose uh, sheer pace and, uh, you know, ingenuity or however you want to call it on, on the right wing, especially against Stanisic, who looked not ready for uh, <laughs> prime time, as it were. Uh, despite, I think he's reasonably likely to start for Croatia at the World Cup. Um, I'm not necessarily entirely sure, but still. Um, yeah, uh, I think Adeyemi is kind of the, the best... Um, sub-option Dortmund have at the moment and he certainly gave them a lot more impetus going forward. They had someone they could just give the ball to and say go ahead and do something for us and to his credit uh, Adeyemi delivered a couple of moments that I, I think even if they weren't necessarily uh, hugely dangerous they showed Dortmund that the game wasn't over and then obviously you had the uh, Fantastic striker goal by uh, Mukoko. I mean, the setup, his move, the finish, all all just textbook striker stuff from a 17-year-old um, who's who's really coming into his own over the last week or so, I suppose, because he wasn't starting before the, the first match against Sevilla. Uh, a nice assist for Modest. Not so nice how he missed the the <laughs> the big chance. I don't know necessarily that it was the the sitter that all everybody was saying because it wasn't you know uh, positioned perfectly for him. And I think the only perfect position for Modest is probably with his head and not his feet. Um, but yeah, obviously he has to put it that way uh, if he I, wants. I mean, I I would say he just used the wrong foot. He swung at it with the right foot. I think he should have just poked it home with the left foot. But, uh, you know, that's how strikers are. They have a strong foot and they, they tend to prefer that one. That's yeah. that's what I would say about the situation. Yeah, uh, it doesn't even matter. I mean, he has to score that. Uh, that's why they signed uh, uh, an experienced striker who's got uh, two 20-plus uh, goal seasons in the Bundesliga on his record. But yeah, obviously, and it, and if, there if was If you watch redemption. all the goals that he scored for Cologne, it's not like he, he not scored goals like that before. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, and obviously, if if uh, the last few weeks had gone more positively for him, I think there's no doubt that he puts that away. But that's the the psyche of a striker for you, and 
obviously the, he still had the moment of redemption uh, at the death, but I think we need to give most of the credit of, uh, in that situation to Nico Schlotterbeck, who showed incredible composure for a center half at, in the opponent's uh, 16-yard box uh, in the 95th minute against Bayern um, to keep the ball not only in play, but also to have the wherewithal to uh, play that beautiful cross that somebody had to uh, at home and all the better for it to be modest. Yeah, what I really liked is that he, in a post-game interview, said that he actually saw Modest. So, um, he, he, you know, he sort of admitted that uh, whoever was uh, close to blocking, and it might have been Stanisic, who obviously took way too long to, to close him down, but uh, he said it was nearly deflected, uh, sort of millimeters. But, um, yeah, for him to pick out that cross, just eat your heart out. What, 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 a, what a moment, really. And uh, it's it's great to see... Um, that Schlotterbeck redeemed himself a little bit, uh, if if you will, after um, not so great performances. Uh, I I heard uh, Konstantin's uh, <laughs> quips about Schlotterbeck earlier on the Rasenfunk, um, where he said that uh, his decision making still uh, could be a little quicker. Um, but uh, yeah, I still think that uh, compared to other performances had uh, he had this season, um, this was one of the better ones. So um, yeah, I'm very happy for him. Um, but uh, Konstantin, what I find very interesting, um, maybe this is a podcast more about how crap Bayern are than how good Dortmund are, but um, uh, the final, I don't know, five, six minutes or so, and especially in uh, in the stoppage time after command sending off, Dortmund basically had a power play. Uh, Alexander Meyer was in the, the Bayern box for almost like two minutes, and uh, I was just waiting for Bayern to score an empty net. However, uh, and it is very rare to see, I don't really remember the last time it happened, uh, where Dortmund really in the final minutes of a game against Bayern uh, were the team that, you know, looked like they were the fitter team and looked like they had more energy and looked like, um, you know, they could pile on pressure and, uh, you know, not allow any relief from that. So uh, can you talk me through how that whole thing unfolded and, and why Dortmund or how Dortmund managed to put Bayern under so much pressure that they basically just pumped it out the box and uh, couldn't really follow up on it because usually Bayern are very good at sort of gaining the second ball and then, uh, you know, putting their own pressure on an opponent from there. Well, because Bayern were spent like hell. Um, I mean, first of all, of course, they changed the entire back four. Uh, if you compare the back four at the beginning of the, the game uh, and the back four at the end of the game, completely different. Uh, each position was different. Um, of course, I mean, Pavard and Ubermecano are still, you know, at the end of the game on the pitch, but in different positions. So that's the first one. Uh, I don't I don't think that Goretzka was really ready to go the entire 90. Um, Musiala sang half or and I mean, even he was like kind of... Uh, well, I mean, he was still there, but he wasn't really effective anymore. Um... Then you got like Chupumuting as target player. <laughs> Where is he really a target player? No, uh, but like on paper he was like you know. Yeah. Uh, now I mean there were a couple of things that were really going against Bayern. I think I think they are just they have a kind of a tight squad. Um, a couple of um, injuries or players not really fit or you know like especially like if you look at their entire defender department, uh, Lucas not there because he's injured. 
and um, Pavar's back, but it's kind of, you know, like, they got like three center backs. And then then Davies is out and uh, Stanisic has to play and uh, he, got, he gets no help from, from Kuman, by the way, you know. It's also like Stanisic <laughs> is like fighting for his life against Adeyemi, especially in the in the final 20 minutes or so, and then Kuman is not helping in one bit. I mean, like not a one. Uh, it's like he he's, he's, he gets outmaneuvered, outpaced by by Adeyemi. Adeyemi is like left, right, left, right, left, right. He's like you know he's like the 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 uh, speed button on on FIFA. He's like speed button, speed button, <laughs> speed boost, 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 boost. And it was I mean it was a little bit ridiculous, um, but that's kind of the uh, yeah the gist of it. Uh, I think Bayern were spent um, and Dortmund uh, because uh, after the or because of the modest substitution. Um, they also switched it uh, to striker formation. Mukuku more in that uh, secondary striker role, which is much better for him. He's not really the center forward type of cent or not a central striker type. Um, that that was that worked well. I think Brandt also did m- m- better when he was on the on the left. Then uh, Adeyemi on the right was good, um, and also like Bellingham a little bit deeper. You know, um, operating out of that number six gap there uh, next to Emre Can worked also better and I think they were they were just uh, especially Bellingham Adeyemi um, Mokoku and in Modeste they had ch- just more more in the tank it wasn't like Dortmund were all of a sudden playing better much better football I mean, I mean the, the but, very but end still, Mokoku wasn't yeah. even on the field right it was Azar who but yeah continue Moku- Mokoku I said, I said Mukoku did not end the game. He was subbed yeah, off. Yeah, but he was substituted in the 89th minute, so he didn't play the last <laughs> the, the last two or so. Five. I saw came well, came on like seconds yeah. before stoppage time. So yeah, yeah, Mukoku. I I made like the final 20 minutes or so, and yeah. Mukoku Fair played enough. 19 of these, uh, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. But he was there, uh, he, um, and I think um, because like Modest came on in the 17th minute, and I think from there it really changed. Um, and because before Modest came on and it was also on German on German television on Sky Germany, uh, I think Lothar Matthäus made the comment. I mean, it's not really his game with this because Dortmund are not managing to get the ball into the box. And it might, I mean, it was Lothar Matthäus, Lothar Matthäus, Lothar, but it was still a good point. Um, you know, in that, in that moment, 17th minute, Dortmund weren't able to get the ball inside the box. So, but still, because Modest came on for Marlin. Terzic switched it to a two-striker formation. Mukuku played much better because he was now more behind another more physical striker. And Brandt was back, moved outside. Adeyemi was in a, in a clear right-winger role then. And it looked much, much better. Um, because then you got you got uh, the Bayern defenders occupied. You got Bellingham, who is marching down uh, Goretzka and Kimmich. Uh, also Kimmich. I mean, he had to come on at halftime um, because... Zabitzer got the yellow in like the first 30 seconds or something of this game <laughs> and and the uh, um, Nagelsmann was like forced to um, get Zabitzer out of there so um, yeah so, so Bellingham was marching him down Brent was playing that hybrid role quite nicely even though he had not really as much support from Guerrero on the left um, and I think like all of that worked worked out well still Dortmund scored two goals um it wasn't like kind of incredible magic or something, especially in the first goal. I mean, yeah, Modest, good pass to Modest. Good movement, 
still looked like a truck, a truck, uh, you know, turning around. But I mean, it was against Upamecano, who also looked like a truck, something turning. So it was quite well. It was like the the battle of buses, and uh, Modest won that one. And uh, great, great shot by by Mokoku. In the end, it was a bit, bit of madness. Um, and of course, uh, Stanisic being uh, being the third division player he sometimes is still um helped Dortmund a lot because Ademi was like uh, destroying him and then he got the support by Marius Wolf also I forgot to mention Marius Wolf I like Wolf offensively in the, in the in the final 20 minutes was great defensively he was utter shite but <laughs> it's all right um like it's, at least offensively he was he was of course uh, doing very well and when then Coman was also out of there uh, in the 19th minute and for the for the final five minutes of stoppage time, uh, Wolf and Ademi were uh, destroying that right side. Yeah, uh, mo- most certainly uh, that was the case because, uh, <laughs> yeah, Bayern just could not relieve uh, anything from the pressure. And uh, yeah, I personally, I must say, when uh, Modest, uh, you know, put that header in, I was screaming at the top of my lung. I was standing in my living room uh, yelling like uh, Dortmund had won the game. So uh, in, in that case, it, it certainly did feel like a moral victory. However, um, we can obviously talk about that uh, maybe Bayern were for the taking in this one and uh, maybe of all the uh, recent games, maybe it was Dortmund's best chance to come away with uh, all three points here. But, uh, you know, it is what it is now and uh, Dortmund did get one point out of this. Um, Lars, I'm going to very carefully ask this question because I've been let down and disappointed so many times. But do you think that this can give Dortmund a boost somehow, or do you think the next away game, say Union Berlin or so, uh, all of that uh, magic is already forgotten? Are we talking about the same football team, Stefan? Yes. (laughs) I mean, uh, given our experiences over the last few years, how confident are you personally that uh, that kind of moment will give them (laughs) <laughs> a, huge, a huge boost for the next 10 games until the World Cup uh, on a scale of zero to a million. Uh, minus 500,000, I would say. I would actually say this could be detrimental now. They, uh, uh, I heard someone say on a podcast now they're sort of smelling themselves a little too much. <laughs> but I think they're it and uh, aren't. Uh, I, I feel like this could even have a detrimental effect on, on Dortmund. I do not belief into any boost of any game ever because uh, they won the freaking Revere Derby and then they shut the bet in Cologne. That's 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 my point. But, uh, you know, I, I still thought I, I, I'd ask, but uh, Lars, uh, did, did you uh, throw your beer cup uh, around the living room or wherever you were uh, sitting in uh, the Pullman household uh, when Modest scored the goal? Or, or did it not do this trick for you as much because you do not believe in quote-unquote moral victories? Uh, it would have been a mug of tea uh, <laughs> and I don't go around throwing mugs. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, I suppose. Uh, no, obviously, I was quite happy with that moment. Um, I also watched the entire game uh, without commentary because I couldn't be asked to listen uh, to... Uh, Wolf Fuß and Lola Mateus, even though Mateus isn't actually a terrible commentator these days, um, but I just couldn't be asked to listen to them. So the goal also uh, showed uh, just how um, explosive, let's say, the Yellow Wall still can be. Um, 
Obviously, I was in the stands for uh, the goal from uh, Mukoko against Schalke, and that was quite loud. But I imagine almost, given that it came so late in the game uh, against Bayern, it might have been even louder. Probably, yeah. Uh, no doubt. Uh, I, I would certainly say so. I mean, the pandemonium on the yellow wall was crazy, and obviously uh, all the... Uh, commotion on the field too i mean the entire <laughs> the ganze bvb is off the rasen as uh, the net radio commentator uh, boris rupel i think was it uh, said uh, during the malaga final um but uh, yeah nevertheless um i i think this is uh, at least very important in terms of uh, self confidence and so obviously also the uh, table situation because uh, i don't know if we want to talk about a title race or not with this team <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't really see it, but uh, at least, you know, the minimum is to not lose against Bayern twice a season, I think, uh, is, is very important. So at least from that standpoint, Dortmund have done that. And Konstantin, uh, you already said it earlier, um, Lewandowski was not there to score. And I personally take a lot of uh, pleasure from that because uh, it's been so annoying to see him uh, score on Dortmund a million goals in, in recent years. So uh, just for him to not be there, um, I quite enjoyed and um, yeah, obviously um, every goal uh, <laughs> against Bayern is also scored on Manuel Neuer, which uh, adds extra pleasure for me. And uh, yeah, I haven't even mentioned this weird um, moment uh, after Mokoko's goal where he sort of bundled Neuer over. I'm not entirely sure what happened there because the camera cut in a weird way. But uh, yeah, also quite an enjoyable moment. And um, yeah, Konstantin, uh, uh, I, I, I think what all people will remember from this game is also the reaction of Oliver Kahn in the stands. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> I mean, what, what do you want me to say? Um, it's, a, it's a meme now. It's a, the meme of the game is Oliver Kahn um, sunken or like falling into his chair uh, on, on, on within the VIP lounge or whatever that is, like the VIP section of uh, the Westfalen Stadion, which is also kind of funny because like usually you see um, Aki Watzke and and me, me Matthias Sommer sitting there and Aki Watzke, you know, with like a a chin that has a chin that has a chin, like you know, it was a, like his, his his head is a little bit inside his body already, um, and the more chins he has, the the worse uh, that the team is playing. <laughs> Um, it's kind of you can read it actually. You don't you don't have to see the pitch. You don't have to see the scoreboard. You just have to see. You're just counting the you chins. You just okay. have to see the face and the physiognomy of Aki Watzke and how many chins he has at any given time. Um, and Matthias Sommer is like not twinking eyes, like whatever. Um, give me give me give me my goddamn money. Um, I'm I'm your I'm your counsel. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, like we we make fun, of course, of uh, of Oliver Kahn, like I don't know, like uh, going crazy there. On the other hand, I, I kind of liked it because um, that Klassiker, um or whatever you want to call it, because uh, between Dortmund and Bayern, it felt a bit dead already. It felt it felt dead last season, but even this season, I was like, all right. Oh, is there really a rivalry? I mean, all these two clubs. I mean, it felt very dead until the 70th. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> it, it, was, it was like dead in the water. Like and then Antonio Modest came on the pitch, and I was like, "All right, oh, I have to, you know, I have to uh, give give some give some help here, um, maybe a heart massage or something." Um, but is really, I mean, there, there was this kind of feeling. All right, it's not really a big game. Well, not that that 
big of a game anymore. I think the international interests or the interest from abroad has like really declined in recent years because no one really believes that Dortmund are on the level of Bayern. But then right now you look at the table, you see, all right, Berlin or Union and Freiburg are leading the table. Actually, Bayern are only in third. Dortmund's close behind them, even though they have lost to Bremen and Cologne still. And, and then you got this match and you got the late equalizer by Modest. You know, he's like, he's like not kind of, I mean, he's, he's a great Bundesliga striker, but he, uh, he doesn't really possess like the kind of statue you sometimes think of. Like, okay, who could decide the Klassiker? But it also makes it for a nice story because like everyone likes Anthony Modest and you know or most people like him and he's kind of he's kind of a cool guy, um, so why not? And and then you see Oliver Kahn losing it and I think like, all right maybe there's more to this game than uh, we we had believed before or when we went in here, um, and I think that's kind of a good thing to see Kahn uh, losing it in a way because then you uh, see all right if they feel something. We feel something. Aaron is feeling something, and that's good. Uh, but because I mean, what could be the alternative reaction? Like Bayern, you know, Bayern higher ups just sitting there, oh, shrugging their shoulders. Like, all right, mm, lost two points. Whatever. Uh, we will beat them anyway in the title race. You know, that's like kind of that would uh, would have been the, uh, in a different reaction. And that's also what I like that now uh, Bayern's higher ups are not Rummenigge and Hoeneß anymore. You got new kids there, basically. And know, Salihamidzic and, and Khan, who, who, who both, to an extent at least, experienced some of these Dortmund-Bayern games in the 90s, for instance, or like, you know, some in the, in the 2000s. Although, I mean, there was the time when, when Dortmund were like, not, not, not a competitor, or, I mean, almost relegated uh, due to financial struggles. But still, there is this kind of rivalry there, and they were on the pitch for some of these games. And I mean, Oliver Khan became famous in a way because of his uh, outing in one of these games uh, against uh, Chapuisar and Herrlich and Co. Um, so I like it. I, I like that there is like younger Bayern higher-ups who are now going a little bit crazy. And I also like that Oliver Kahn is like treating and like commenting on all of this because it, it makes it much more interesting. And I mean, of course, then Dortmund fans have someone to hate you know, because they hated him when he was a player and now they hate him even more because now he's like, a, you know, the suit-wearing Oliver Kahn who's like uh, still kind of overconfident and cocky and everything. And, you know, they got Julian Nagelsmann who's so easy to hate. You know, get Joshua Kimmich who I personally don't hate one bit. I actually find him quite likable, Bill, but anyhow. Uh, but, but a lot of Ugh. people hate hate Kimmich. <laughs> like a lot of Dortmund fans like uh, despise Kimmich and they and they can't they can't like Nagelsmann who has co well, head coach Hoffenheim and Leipzig, these two plastic clubs and like, what the hell? And now he's at Bayern and he's like a 35-year-old know-it-all and, you know, he's the smallest, smallest dude in the room uh, riding his longboard. Yeah, ah, now Dortmund fans have something to, you know, to to uh, also uh, cheer against and, and also be happy to, to at least get a point there. Because let's be honest, like, I mean, that, that game, I know that the Revier Derby still felt bigger, but Schalke doesn't feel the same right now, to me at least. You know, it's not the same Schalke. It's like it's kind of the Schalke where you have to almost feel compassion for them a little bit because, like, oh my god, they are they are like they, they are so bad right now, and they don't have any money, and like it's so bad for them. Uh, but you see Bayern, and they are still like, oh well, we lose Lewandowski, we, we buy Sadio Mane, and we have Oliver Kahn up there, and we have Nagelsmann down there, and we have Kimmich ruling the midfield, and Thomas Müller is still walking around and telling anyone what to do. I mean, easy, easy to hate for Dortmund fans, and so it's still fun. 
Yeah, but uh, on the flip side, we also had a very emotional Eden Tessage, which obviously was also due to losing a very close family member. Um, uh, I don't know when, but uh, relatively recently. Um, the news who it is, I think, is out by now, but I'm not entirely sure if he wants it out there or not. So um, I'm just not going to say it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I think it was a very fun experience and... Uh, I woke up today on a Monday morning in a good in a good mood because of it, and that is of course very rare, <laughs> uh, because you know it's Monday. But um, yeah, Lars, are there any final thoughts you have on this game? Anything uh, nope. you want to discuss? No. Nope. Okay. Um, then I think we can move on quickly to the uh, Champions League game against Sevilla. And uh, Lars, since you are so keen to get out of here, <laughs> we can uh, you can basically. Uh, Talk me through what Dortmund need to do uh, in order to secure a round of 16 plays, a knockout route plays in the Champions League against Sevilla now. Well, first of all, I apologize for my bedtime being in 30 minutes, but that's the way it is. Um, I mean, Dortmund cannot qualify for the knockout rounds uh, without help from Manchester City on Tuesday. Uh, I'm kind of assuming, and I'm probably speaking for all of us, uh, that City are indeed going to beat Copenhagen, uh, even though it's in Denmark, I suppose. Uh, it's or, the I, early kickoff. Yeah, and, and, and I think they don't need, even need to beat them. I think Copenhagen just don't... Uh, if, if Copenhagen don't win and Dortmund beats uh, Sevilla, it's it's over, I think. Yes. that's that's the, Those are the permutations. Um, I think the first part is probably going to be a bit easier because uh, City with uh, Holland and... Foden and, and all those guys being pretty much in, in, in very good form over the last few weeks. Uh, that should take care of itself almost. Uh, for Dortmund to beat Sevilla, I basically have no idea um, what changes the new uh, manager, Sampaoli, might implement or has already implemented. I already uh, saw that they uh, drew against uh, Athletic Club on Saturday or Sunday, probably Saturday. Um, one one, and Terzic today said uh, that uh, Athletic were probably a bit closer to the uh, the winner in the second half. Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, given uh, the state of the group right now, Dortmund are basically through already. I mean, uh, there a lot needs to happen for for them to uh, mess it up. So it would be nice to get it done early. So you can rest players uh, on the final two match days. Um, I don't think necessarily these days it's hugely important to come first in the group. And, and even then, I think uh, that's a tall ask, uh, even with uh, City coming to Dortmund uh, in the return fixture. So uh, just get it done and give some much uh, needed rest to uh, someone like Bellingham, Özcan. Uh, uh, and, and a few others in the final two group matches. Yeah, Jude Bellingham obviously uh, missing final team training today. So was Rafael Guerrero. I'm not entirely sure if that means they are out for tomorrow or not. And uh, yeah, the good news is that uh, Mats Hummels uh, is seemingly ready to play. And uh, Tessic also said that uh, Giovanni Reina um, will hopefully be available as well. So um, he looked very optimistic about that because uh, Reyna did increase his load in training. So um, there's that. Um, yeah, 
I don't know uh, what else to say really about this game. I assume that uh, Dortmund was helped a little bit by the run of play in, in the first uh, fixture against Sevilla, but um, you know now they play at home, um, so they've got that going for them. And uh, I think in the Champions League, especially for Dortmund, that matters, uh, given their away record, which uh, would have been, I think, a new club record had they lost in Sevilla as well, a new negative record. So um, yeah, I... You know, I'm, I'm pretty much other things to say, so um, I'm not sure if I should dare <laughs> to ask Constantine a question about it or not. Um, but uh, yeah, Constantine, uh, final thoughts on uh, Borussia Dortmund against Sevilla, and then we can all get out of here. Hmm. No, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm I'm just interested in uh, Sampaioli because he's he's a kind of fascinating figure. Uh, although the first match against uh, Bilbao. I mean, I know I wasn't was much to it in terms of like uh, Rojo Sampaioli football. It was almost more like Ernesto Valverde uh, doing his best to uh, beat Sevilla. Uh, didn't work out, but still, I mean, um, Sevilla they benefited from a very early goal by um, Oliver Torres. Uh, yeah, I think it was Dolberg. Who's not going to play yeah. for some reason? But. Still, I mean, uh, j just in terms of like, you know, uh, the match, how it went, it was a very early, early goal, Dolberg on, on Torres, and um, that was it uh, from there. And um, I, don't, I wasn't really um, yeah impressed by Sevilla, but I could also see Zampaioli uh, pulling a few things out of his sleeves. Um, all of those who have followed his career, I mean, know that he can do that. Um, although I'm, I think he's more of a coach who needs a bit, a bit of time also to figure out who of the players are actually useful to his ideas and who are not. Um, and I think he might not be able to do that within like a week or so, right? Um, so it might be a bit more a bit more time uh, he needs to uh, really uh, mold Sevilla um, to his liking. So yeah, and they will travel to Dortmund, yeah. Spanish teams away, especially a team like Sevilla, who are low in confidence and don't have an exciting football idea. It's like four, two, three, one, easy. Um, you know, even even like sometimes with a more de more defensive minded number ten, it's like all right. Um, that's not really. I mean, it could be like an ugly win by them, right? Uh, Dortmund dominating the game and then they they will uh, win ugly. Uh, however, that being said, um, last week's game. I mean, they were like the worst defensive team Dortmund has faced this year. I would say maybe of the German Cup or something. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if yeah, it will... almost felt like playing against Dortmund in, it, in it, certain no way, ways. Yeah. But no uh... way, it was like, I, I, wasn't it? Like you know, you got you got somewhat talented attacking midfielders, but you got Dolberg up front who is all right. But you know, you know, you see like there's something not quite there, and you got um, centre backs who are. Somewhat talented, Nyong So, somewhat talented, right? Uh, for instance, like uh, he was on the pitch against Bilbao again. He was like, you saw, I mean, he's a great ball playing center back, but you sometimes see, like, all right, maybe there, maybe there is some uh, reason that uh, he, did, he didn't make it at Bayern. Um, so, yeah, it was a little bit like playing against a copy of Dortmund. Um, so that means actually Sevilla will go to Dortmund and surprise everyone and uh, score a 3-0 free, free win or what? No, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, I wish Lars a good night. You can follow Lars at Lars Pommern on Twitter. You can follow Konstantin at CC underscore Egna on Twitter. You can follow me at Stefan Butzko. And that is it uh, from us for today. Good night. Goodbye. And uh, until next time. <laughs>